A lot of us have heard people call someone their ride or die. But what would they really do if it came to actually being unalived? The couple in our lesson for today is the original ride or die, and they really meant it. A young outlaw couple who spent their short time together breaking and running from the law. They ultimately met an untimely demise and ended up more holy than a Swiss cheese factory. Literally, look up the car they were shot in. It looks like those blackhead popping videos. Horrendous yet mesmerizing. The short life and relationship of Bonnie and Clyde was dangerous, sad, and yes, a little rotten. Let's learn more about them and see what lesson we can pull from their red flag-filled love story. Magic mirror on the wall. Who are the most rotten ones of all? Hi, hello, and howdy, my darlings, and welcome back to my lair here on Rotten to the Core. I trust that your Halloween was marvelous and spooky. I hope you made sure to put out those bonfires and close your portals when you're finished with them. Remember, only you can prevent forest hauntings. I enjoyed my annual Halloween party with the ghosts of Princess Diana and Betty White. They send their regards. Boy, do those ladies know how to have a good time. Who knew possession and karaoke went so well together? Our lesson for today is about the famous outlaws Bonnie and Clyde. And to be perfectly honest, I didn't know jack about them, aside from the old movie I watched decades ago. I honestly thought they were a lot like Thelma and Louise, works of fiction. I also, for some reason, thought that they were kind of like Robin Hood, who stole from the rich and gave to the poor. But again, I was wrong. Most of what I knew about them was made up. But I wanted to get right down to the rotten truth. So, here it is. Both Bonnie and Clyde were born in Texas in the first decade of the 1900s. They were from poverty-stricken families, but there seemed to be a lot of love in them. I didn't see anything about abuse or worse in either of their families, and from interviews from Clyde's sister, who is a little bit of a mama's boy and loved his family. Both of their families moved to a suburb in Dallas that was called Cement City. I'm guessing it didn't get that name because of the glorious natural views. In 1926, Bonnie married her high school sweetheart, Roy Thornton, and Clyde received his first arrest for not returning a rental car on time. Is that still a thing? They were around 16 years old, but their paths were already laid out clearly in front of them. Bonnie apparently had a thing for bad boys because her first husband, Roy, was in prison just three years into their marriage. Her marriage to him wasn't a fairy tale by any means. He was an abusive alcoholic who would disappear for weeks at a time, doing 
God only knows what. Once, when Roy came back from one of his benders, Bonnie told him to go on get, and she never saw him again. After that, the couple would never see each other, but they did remain legally married. And Bonnie was even found still wearing their wedding ring on the day she died. (gasps) I wonder how Roy felt when he started hearing about his wife and her lover during their heyday, if you can call it that. While Bonnie was in her first marriage, she worked odd jobs like waitressing, while Clyde was being trained by his older brother on how to be a proper crook. Things like cracking safes, robbery, and grand theft auto replaced the usual education most of us received. It wasn't until 1930 when Bonnie, age 19, finally met Clyde, who was 20, and the spark of love quickly engulfed them. They met at a mutual friend's house when Bonnie went there to take care of her friend, and Clyde was there visiting. Bonnie was looking for a wild card, and I like to imagine that when she laid eyes on Clyde, sparks flew. Or maybe perhaps that was just gunfire. Now, if you look up pictures of them, they were both attractive in their own rights. A nice-looking young couple. So I could see how there would have been an attraction from the start. Clyde kind of resembles the adorable little actor Tom Holland. He even had the big ears that I find so attractive in a man. What? I'd like my seats to have handles. (laughs) Bonnie herself was pretty, almost doll-like. She had long, blonde, wavy hair and bright blue eyes. Her style was peak 1920s, and she, like myself, was a big fan of the beret hats. Only a few weeks after they met, Clyde was caught and sent to prison on five counts of Grand Theft Auto. But that didn't deter old Bonnie, though. As he was locked up, all he could think about was escaping. He was a hard-headed young man who didn't like being told what to do. So you can imagine prison was the last place he'd want to be. Which will play an important role in their crime spree and eventual death. Clyde managed to escape prison with the help of Bonnie, who snuck a gun into him during one of her visits. I'm guessing she baked it in a loaf of bread, or the security was just really lax in those days. He was successful in his escape, but it didn't last long, as he was recaptured within a few weeks and given a 14-year sentence at a work prison. Ooh, kill me now. There, prisoners were regularly abused and beaten by the guards. It is even rumored that guards regularly shot and killed inmates to keep the remaining ones in line. While he was in prison, he made a new friend and gang member, and Clyde and Bonnie wrote frequent letters to one another. Bonnie would even visit with Clyde's family and had several sleepovers with his sister. And poor Clyde, in an effort to be released from the work prison early, he came up with an idea to lob off a few of his toes with the help of a friend. And they did just that one day during their work detail. All of that pain would be for naught, though. As Clyde was healing in the med wing of the prison, his mother and sister were down at the governor's office attempting to get him freed. And a few weeks after his toectomy... 
Clyde was released from prison by the authority of the governor. Finally free, he limped his way out of prison on crutches. He had chopped off his own toe for nothing. YOLO? Okay, so you'll catch on real quick. Bonnie and Clyde weren't the brightest bulbs in the chandelier, but they were entertaining. And isn't that what's most important? By February 1932, Bonnie and Clyde were finally together again in Dallas. Only now, Clyde had been hardened by his prison time and was no longer the chatty Cathy just looking for a good time. And if prison wasn't enough to change a man, what was happening in the entire country sure was. When he got out of prison, Clyde attempted to live on the straight and narrow. He began working at legit jobs, but... Not only was it difficult for an ex-con to find a job, there was a little thing called the Great Depression that was making it difficult for anyone to find work. Even more that I had no idea about. It never occurred to me that Bonnie and Clyde were active during the Great Depression. Bank robbers at a time in history when banks were closing and had very little money. Kind of like robbing a house after they've already moved. See... Not smart. Bless their hearts. But at a time when so many people were unemployed and depressed, it's no wonder the couple were so popular. It would have been like a free movie to most people. Like watching OJ run from the police in that Bronco. Bonnie, Clyde, and their gang weren't even very good robbers for as popular as they were. They were opportunity robbers who would travel around and hit up a place when they ran out of money, usually with little to no planning. Each time they risked their lives and usually got away with about $80, sometimes as low as 10 to 20. They didn't just do it for the money, though. Both Bonnie and Clyde seemed to enjoy their newfound fame, and Clyde even saw himself as just like Jesse James. Oh. This was a time in American history when the public was obsessed with gangsters, both real and fictional. That, plus being a young, attractive couple in love, helped to fan the flames of their fame. It did seem, though, that Bonnie wished for her and Clyde to live more of a straight and narrow life. An excerpt for one of her letters to him. I know you can't ever live in Dallas, honey, because you can't live down that awful name you got here. But sugar, you could go somewhere else to get a job. I want you to be a man, honey, not a thug. I know you are good, and I know you can make good. Her warnings even worked for a tiny, teeny little bit. About two weeks, actually. Clyde made a half-hearted attempt at being a good boy. But with his record and reputation, the police were constantly harassing him. And in the words of Daenerys Stormborn of House Targaryen, first to her name, Queen of the Andals and the First Men, Protector of the Seven Kingdoms, the Mother of Dragons, the Khaleesi of the Great Grass Sea, the Unburned, and the Breaker of Chains, if I can't make them love me, then they will fear me. 
After his attempt in March 1932, Bonnie and Clyde stole a car and began their short life on the road. In April, Bonnie joined Clyde and his friend on their first robbery, and it did not go well at all. (laughs) Both Bonnie and the accomplice, Ralph, were captured during an escape attempt, and both were jailed. Bonnie was in a small jail cell for two months, and Ralph was sent back to the work prison where he and Clyde had met. While Bonnie was locked up, Clyde joined another crook, and they attempted to rob a store, which didn't go as planned either. During that robbery, Clyde shot the store owner in the back and killed him. The shop owner's wife later identified the men, and after that, there was no turning back. Especially if they went to prison. <laughs> I get it, prison showers, no turning back. Uh, no. That sounds like a good time to me. <clears throat> Clyde had killed a man, and he knew that if he was ever caught, he could look forward to a date with the electric chair. Walk in the green mile! John Coffey deserved better. By June 1932, Bonnie was finally released from jail and rejoined her partner in crime, who now came with a price on his head. The governor of Texas had issued a $250 reward for him, and he was making front-page news. Like I said, this was way before red flags were a thing. Poor Bonnie, good gravy. Later that same year, in August, Clyde would kill again. This time, it was a police officer who approached them at a dance. Clyde and his friend were visibly drunk, which was illegal due to prohibition, and the officer went up to tell them that it wasn't allowed. They then shot the officer and mortally wounded another. In that ensuing unplanned getaway, Clyde and his gang stole three cars during a shootout chase and ended up fleeing on foot. I swear I plan more for a trip to the grocery store than these people did for murder and robbery. Good gravy! Their life on the run was definitely not what you see in the movies. Rolling around on piles of money in a hotel and living the high life with all your loot. But their photos were everywhere in all the newspapers, so it turned out to be a pretty unglamorous life. They were sleeping in the car or camping out somewhere away from as many people as they could. And if they were able to stay somewhere, they usually had to bribe their way in. They did have several meetups with their families while on the run, and Clyde even had a member join them when that one got out of prison. His older brother Buck and his wife, Blanche. The gang managed to stay hidden, for the most part. Anytime they were found out, they somehow made an escape with no planning. In June 1933, Bonnie and Clyde were traveling to meet up with Buck and Blanche and suddenly crashed when they came to a bridge that was out. The car rolled over multiple times and caught on fire. Bonnie was badly burned on her leg all the way down to the bone. She would never again be able to walk right, and Clyde even had to carry her a lot of the time. Even with Bonnie's injury, the gang remained on the run. In part, thanks to the driving ability of Clyde, they managed to escape every run-in they had with authorities. That's until the gang was discovered hiding out in an abandoned amusement park in Iowa. Police swarmed the park after the gang was there for four days, 
Bonnie, Clyde, and another gang member, W.D. Jones, were able to escape, but Buck and Blanche were captured and severely injured. Buck died shortly after from his injuries, and Blanche was in prison for 10 years. And after that deadly escape, W.D. Jones left Bonnie and Clyde to their own devices and was arrested shortly after. There is a video recording of his statement, and in it, W.D. says that he was forced to cooperate with the Paro gang under threat of death. He agreed to give that statement for a lesser prison sentence. The following year would be it for Bonnie and Clyde. Did anyone else think that they were robbing for years and years based on how popular they were? But it was literally four years from hello to dead. Maybe because I learned about them as a young kid, you know, when you're five or six, someone in their early 20s, that's a fully grown adult to you. But now that I'm in my early 30s, I keep thinking, my God, they were just babies. They didn't even know what the hell they were doing. No wonder everything's unplanned. They're babies. <laughs> On the morning of May 23rd, 1934, Bonnie and Clyde were driving down a rural road near Arcadia, Louisiana. Unbeknownst to the couple, sheriffs were waiting for them with a trap set. The officers waited for three entire days for Bonnie and Clyde to come driving along. And it paid off for them. The couple was seeking refuge at a farm of a former friend who was nearby and, on the way, fell for the trap. Authorities had jacked up the truck of the owner of the farm Bonnie and Clyde were fleeing to, and officers waited in the bushes with guns locked and loaded. As Bonnie and Clyde drove up, the officers jumped out and started firing 167 rounds into the car. 112 of those bullets hit it. The coroner stated that Bonnie had been shot 26 times and Clyde had been shot 17 times. Over 10,000 people came to try to get a look at their bodies, which were kept under guard because people couldn't behave themselves. Some of them were trying to cut off chunks like ears or anything else they could get a hold of off of the bodies to keep as souvenirs. Surround with people. The car that Bonnie and Clyde were shot in is currently on display at Prim Valley Resort and Casino in Vegas. Bonnie and Clyde were given separate funerals and buried apart from each other. However, there is a petition for them to be buried alongside one another. Bonnie even wrote a poem that predicted their demise. Someday they will go down together and they will bury them side by side. To a few it means grief. To the law, it is relief. But it is death to Bonnie and Clyde. Well, she got it right, aside from the burying part, but I can see that sometime in the future. All in all, Bonnie and Clyde were active for four years, and supposedly, they robbed less than 15 banks. Despite all efforts, they usually got away with very little. At the time they were killed in 1934, they were believed to have committed 13 murders. 
Bonnie's leg was burned and she was partially crippled. Clyde's brother was killed and his wife Blanche was injured and imprisoned. Why were these people popular? The lessons I learned from them are, one, you should always pick a partner who will make you better in all the right ways, not bring out your negative traits. And two, while being spontaneous is nice, you might live a lot longer if you put some effort into planning things out a little bit. Just saying. Bonnie and Clyde, the notorious criminals, were idolized. They were also not married, which only added to the scandal. They were young, dumb, and most definitely rotten to the core. I do appreciate each and every one of you, and until next week, be happy, find peace, and for heaven's sakes, don't hurt anyone. If you enjoy Rot to the Core, please follow me on Instagram or join me on Patreon. Both of those are at It's Rotten to the Core. You can also listen to me on my other podcast, Mystery Inc., which I do with my big brother Shane. We also have a Facebook group called Shane and Josh's Rabbit Hole, where we will be interacting and having a plethora of extra fun, foul, mysterious, rotten, and historical things a brewing. We also have a new website you can check us out on. It is itsmysteryinc.com. Join us wherever you like and have a great week ahead, everyone. I will talk at you later. Bye.